In a world where uncertainty reigns supreme, where shadows of chaos dance at every turn, one truth emerges unyielding. Preparation is not a luxury, but a lifeline. Behold the Wellness Company, a beacon of readiness amidst the tempestuous seas of fate. Envision a sanctuary of tranquility, where the tumult of unforeseen medical crises finds no purchase. The Wellness Company's Medical Emergency Kit stands as a bastion of assurance, a fortress of resilience against the unseen foes of health. Within its sacred confines lie the tools of salvation. Ivermectin, to ward off the insidious whispers of disease. Emergency antibiotics, to quell the raging storms of infection. Antivirals, to vanquish the relentless tides of contagion and more. The Wellness Company Medical Emergency Kit is not merely a collection of supplies, it is the embodiment of preparedness itself. Crafted by the hands of esteemed healers led by luminaries such as Dr. Peter McCullough, Dr. James Thorpe, Dr. Harvey Risch, and Dr. Drew Pinsky, this kit stands as the pinnacle of safety, the zenith of prevention. These truth-seeking doctors have forged a testament to vigilance, a testament to the unwavering pursuit of well-being. Embrace the certainty that comes from being armed against adversity. Embrace the Wellness Company, for in its embrace lies the promise of resilience, the promise of a brighter tomorrow amidst the chaos of today. Don't wait for the next crisis to strike. Visit twc.health forward slash strange planet and use promo code strange planet for an exclusive 10% discount. Prepare today and rest easy tomorrow. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. On this episode, a conservative columnist and broadcaster discusses the Democratic primaries and the apparent cognitive and physical decline of frontrunner Joe Biden. Perhaps Biden will have another 9-11 moment that Hillary had during the 9-11 memorial where she basically did a face plant and had to be thrown into the van like a piece of meat. I mean, I don't wish that on anybody, but again, you can only cover up the truth for so long, the truth will catch up with you. Since the mighty Aphrodite and I have been taking ESS-60, the purest form of carbon-60, we're thrilled to tell you we're both sleeping well and pain-free. ESS-60 is raw carbon-60 that's been produced, certified, and guaranteed for safer human consumption. C-60 is a mega antioxidant and is known to have 172 times the antioxidant power of vitamin C, 172 times. ESS-60 is the carbon-60 formulation used in the 2012 original Paris study that showed ESS-60 doubled the lifespan of rats. That's right, doubled their lifespan. I'm so proud to be associated with my good friends at C60Evo.com. Their scientists invented the only reactor machine of its kind to produce carbon-60 back in 1991. They've been a top producer and distributor of C60 worldwide ever since, and the demand has been astounding. ESS-60 from C60Evo.com 
is available in 4, 8, 16, and 32-ounce bottles. Choose from single bottles, monthly subscriptions, or cases of 12 bottles. ESS 60, the purest form of Carbon 60 available. Get yours at c60evo.com slash ref slash rs1. c60evo.com slash ref slash rs1. Use the promo code RS1SPEC, RS1SPEC, to get 5% off. ESS60 from C60Evo.com. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serres. Pursuing the truth wherever it leads. Exposing evil and corruption and the secret machinations of powerful elites. Revealing the high strangeness beneath the surface of our supposed reality. Coming to you from his studio beneath the stairs. Here's Richard Serrett. Welcome to your Friday. I hope you and your loved ones are all healthy and taking all necessary precautions during this COVID-19 scare. It will pass. We will recover. Just wash your hands and turn off the mainstream media. That's my advice. Don't succumb to the hysteria. There's absolutely no need to get into a fist fight over a roll of toilet paper at the local Costco or Walmart. Megan Barth, a.k.a. the Reagan Babe, is here to discuss the drama surrounding the Democratic primaries as the last two elderly white guys, both closing in on 80, battle it out to become the nominee for president representing the party of diversity. After writing off Joe Biden just a few weeks ago, the media has now rallied around the former vice president in a desperate attempt to prevent Bernie Sanders, an avowed socialist, from becoming the nominee. But Biden is obviously in serious mental decline. Can he even make it past the finish line? What will Bernie Sanders supporters do if Bernie is denied the nomination once again? Will they resort to violence? Will they burn down Milwaukee? Who will Biden pick as his vice presidential nominee? And how will COVID-19, the Wuhan virus, figure into this upcoming election? Megan Barth is the founder and proprietor of ReaganBabe.com and co-founder of Red Wave America Pack. She's a nationally recognized political commentator and a syndicated radio host. She's a weekly co-host for War, the Wayne Allen Root Show out of Las Vegas, Nevada, and has appeared on Headline News CNN, Newsmax TV, One America News Network, Lars Larson, Bill Cunningham, and has regular weekly appearances on nationally syndicated radio shows. Her op-eds have been published in The Hill, The Washington Times, The Daily Wire, American Thinker, Canada Free Press, and The Daily Caller. Megan Barth, welcome back to Conspiracy Unlimited. How are you? I'm doing great, Richard. Thanks for having me back. Joe Biden seems to be in serious mental decline, although he's racking up the delegates and seems to be the presumptive winner of the Democratic race. In fact, people in the Democratic Party are saying it's now time to shut down the primary and just declare him the winner. What's going on? Well, it's kind of a surprise to all of us, and all of us, I mean, on the right or the conservative right, that Joe Biden has all of a sudden kind of ascended from the ashes. And it's also a surprise to the media. Just weeks before Super Tuesday and a week before Super Tuesday, the media, which is really controlled by the Democrat Party here in the States, uh, was predicting that Joe Biden would collapse. And he continued prior to Super Tuesday 
place in fourth and fifth uh, in South Carolina, New Hampshire, Iowa, etc. But Super Tuesday really was his day that he rose from the ashes. He got Jim Clyburn's endorsement out of South Carolina. And with Jim Clyburn, he was the rep that said, and he's the majority whip, uh, he is the one that said that uh, they, we just need to shut down the debates, we need to you know, shut down the primaries. And not only did he say that, what he also added in that statement is, and I kind of paraphrase, uh, before Biden says something that will basically ruin his chances. Yes. So everybody in the Democrat Party, everybody in the country, and the continent, quite frankly, can see that Joe Biden is a defective candidate that is suffering some, from some sort of cognitive issue or decline. Now, the Democrats, of course, don't want to talk about it, but I predict, and I this is just my opinion, that the first time in history, Democrats will be going, going to the polls to elect the vice president and not the president, because his pick for vice president will actually have the power whereby Joe Biden will simply be a figurehead. And I don't predict that he will last, should he win in November, a full four years, let alone four months. I, I agree. And before we name who that uh, VP pick will be, I just want to uh, pick up on a few items here. And one is, uh, that, that people are telling Bernie Sanders that he should uh, basically call it a day. But I think he's actually being quite smart because by staying in, not declaring a defeat, uh, because uh, if he can get Biden up on that stage, on the debate stage, just one more time, where he can't hide behind a three-minute speech, which is basically what he's been doing. He talks for three, four minutes, and then, he, uh, and then they usher him off. If he can be uh, shown or demonstrated to the American public how he cannot string, uh, you know, any coherent sentence together, that could that could be it for him. Yeah, and I think Bernie, we were all kind of wondering what Bernie was going to say the other day um, when he was going to make an announcement. We thought that he might back down, similar to how he told Hillary that he didn't care about her damn emails. You know, he didn't fight against Hillary when he had the opportunity to and I still maintain that uh, Bernie Sanders should have been the nominee back in 2016. Nonetheless, he did come out swinging after Biden. And we have to remember that Bernie's whole platform is to basically burn down the system. He's not a Democrat. Uh, he is an independent. And so the last thing that the Democrats want, number one, is to show their cards that they truly are the party of socialism. The wing of the Democrat Party, which is the Progressive Caucus established in 1991, really now is leading the party and has grown more in power. Uh, the figureheads within the Democrat Party who have control, uh, and, this is, and this is including Joe Biden, their policies are not different than what Joe Biden is proposing. Uh, Joe Biden is just as radical uh, as Bernie Sanders. His policies reflect as such. And his campaign has limited, as you're correct, his speaking engagements to a maximum, I think, of seven minutes, and not even members of the press are allowed near Joe Biden to press him and ask him questions. This is very similar to what Hillary, Clinton campaign, excuse me, Hillary Clinton's campaign did with her. Her handlers, 
kept her away from the press. They actually, if you recall, roped the press off and kept the press away from her in a parade. Uh, she disappeared for a month, and I think that month was around September, October, right before the election. No one knew where she had gone. Uh, she was not on the campaign trail because of her own health issues. So again, we kind of have a groundhog day of another defective candidate that the DNC is trying to prop up. But this defective candidate is Joe Biden and squaring off to Bernie Sanders. We also have to remember Bernie and Biden are about the same age. And look at the difference and how they handle themselves on the campaign trail. Bernie has the energy. Bernie has the ability to actually string a sentence together, let alone two stories. Biden simply does not. And so I was glad to see that Bernie's fighting back. And, uh, you know, anybody, like I said, with two eyes and two ears can see uh, that Biden is uh, failing cognitively and physically. Right. And uh, their next appearance, are they not supposed to have they basically told Biden he can sit down for the uh, for the it's not going to be a debate. It's going to be a town hall. Uh, yes. The, the DNC, again, changed the rules. Uh, of debate where he will not have to stand for a couple hours and debate Bernie Sanders. So now they will be seated. And how many delegates, there's still about half the delegates up for grabs, aren't there? I believe so. They need about, I think the number is 1991 and I think they're just approaching a thousand. So if Bernie uh, does well in this town hall and, and, and Biden, and, you know, we obviously we take no delight in this obvious cognitive decline. Somebody ought to, uh, you know, close to him, pull him aside and say, no, we can't do this. You know, where, where are his family? Where are his loved ones? This is tragic to see unfold. Um, but if, if things do not go well during this town hall and then Bernie starts to reverse this tide. What what will they try next? The the, the establishment. <laughs> yeah, that that's a great question. You know, one thing that I always had, and, it, and I guess I was just uh, misinformed for many years, but I do find that other voters here are also somewhat misinformed. The DNC really isn't the power broker. Um, it is the outside influence, the money, those that hold the money bags that really influence the party's decisions. The DNC is just kind of a shell. They really don't have any power. Now, this was told to me by very powerful Democrats inside and outside the DNC. I simply did not know. So what, what are the power brokers going to do now if Biden completely falls on his face? Um, that's the great question. You know, Richard, you've been watching our politics from afar and you've seen uh, President Trump be accused of everything from being a Russian spy. Uh, and then we had the Mueller investigation. Um, they also accused President Trump of um, being a rapist. They've accused President Trump of being, um, you know, of course, a xenophobe and a racist. And nothing is sticking to this president. Uh, this coronavirus issue, which I refer to as the Wuhan virus, since that's where it originated, is their next political football. And they're using this in order to pin the blame somehow uh, on the president and uh, actually causing panic uh, in this country. I don't know if Canada is experiencing the same panic we are. Oh, but yes. Our, 
our markets, our financial markets are reflective of this as well as our supermarkets. So the DNC, you really never know uh, what uh, they're going to do in order to regain power and control because when you're dealing with a political party which is not moored in principle but moored in power, uh, your best guess is my best guess on what other sort of surprise uh, they will try to use in order to protect their own and politically, financially destroy their political enemy. It's interesting because Kamala Harris on the debate stage, well, she said, well, I don't want to call you a racist, but basically she was in, you know, she was saying he was a racist. She went after Joe Biden. This was her one brief shining moment. Uh, she got a little bit of a bounce, and then after that, it all went south. But this whole busing issue, which turned out to be a lie, she was never bussed. Uh, but she she went after Biden on that. She called him a racist, and now she's supporting him, saying he's the great unifier. <laughs> well, and that's it. Goes back to my last point. Um, when you're dealing with politicians like this that aren't more than principle, you never know what they're going to do or what comes out of their mouth. Their principles or their lack thereof, their rhetoric rather, just kind of shifts with the political winds. Uh, and so um, they just simply cannot be trusted. Uh, everyone is a racist that disagrees with them or has a different philosophy, whether it comes to immigration or even calling the uh, coronavirus the Wuhan virus now is somehow racist, according to the Democrat Party and the leaders within the Democrat Party. Um, you would have to wonder uh, if the Democrat Party, we know they're working in tandem with the mainstream media, but are they also working with the Chinese Communist Party, the CCP, because using politically correct language around this uh, pandemic, and I I don't believe it's necessarily a pandemic that WHO has categorized it as such, but nonetheless, when you are trying to use politically correct language around the origins of the virus, you never get to the bottom of the problem or the source of the problem in order to mitigate the problem. Uh, we know that the Democrat Party has very long financial ties to China. If you look at Dianne Feinstein's books, uh, she not only had a communist Chinese spy as her driver for 20 years, she's also made billions or hundreds of millions of dollars off China and various investments. That's how she became a multimillionaire 10 times over. You look at Joe Biden and his family. Hunter Biden made $1.2 billion for knowing absolutely nothing except for having political connections. So we continue to see this tie uh, between the Democrat Party and the Communist Chinese Party, and now they have a communist trying to run at the top of their ticket, Bernie Sanders. Right, and of course it was Bill Clinton uh, who, it is said, uh, entertained um, a Chinese um, officials, secret uh, uh, secret police at the White House, uh, leading up to the um, uh, Chinese uh, entrance into the World Trade Organization. Yeah. Which was which was Bill Clinton, um, so do you think to get back to the, the the point about Bernie and and how they might take him down? Uh, do you think they will try kind of a a Russia type hoax on on Bernie? But mm -hmm. uh, you know the DNC, I mean that they'll they'll try to tar him with that same brush. 
Well, they tried to, well, Hillary Clinton did that to Tulsi Gabbard, if you recall, and now Tulsi Gabbard is suing Hillary Clinton for that uh, defamation or libel um, when she referred her to her as a Russian asset. Uh, they'll use the Russia card as long as they can because they've fooled some of the people all of the time, but most of the people none of the time. Um, they're relying on the fear of their voters. Uh, they aren't certainly relying on their policy uh, because their policies don't sell well yet here. We aren't a socialist country. We don't want a revolution. We don't want to fundamentally transform this country, even though Barack Obama promised us in 2008 that that was the mission of his administration. Um, we rejected that mission in 2010 and 2012 in the uh, House races and congressional races, uh, and we rejected Hillary Clinton's Barack Obama platform in 2016. So the DNC is scrambling and trying to find a platform that's saleable, but it's, try it's like trying to hide who you are. Um, this is who the DNC is. Bernie Sanders is the embodiment of the DNC. The DNC just wants to get to his policies incrementally instead of uh, through a revolution. The other problem uh, that I see is uh, the Bernie bros. <laughs> if, if Bernie doesn't get in, they're not showing up to vote. Uh, and, and worse than that, I mean, at least some of their field uh, workers have threatened to hang fire in Milwaukee during the convention. This could get very uh, ugly. Yeah, you must have seen the Project of Veritas video, uh, yes. the undercover video, and it was an excellent video. And that's and that that guy that made those threats uh, related to burning down Milwaukee as well as gulags, I believe, is still employed by the Bernie Sanders campaign. Um, you know, if you had someone within the Trump's administration or campaign talking about, you know, gulags or concentration camps, it would be front page news. It just left the headlines. But nonetheless, um, back to your uh, original point about the Bernie bros, um, when you look at the numbers of the primaries, you still see somewhat of a decline in the youth vote, even though it's very strong for Bernie, don't get me wrong, but it's still a little less than what he received in 2016. Um, the question has always been, will the youth show up on voting day? A lot of them did not in the primaries. If Hillary, excuse me, if Joe Biden gets the nomination, Bernie bros won't show up. They didn't show up for Hillary Clinton when she stole the nomination from Bernie. We actually had some defectors come over to and, and vote for Trump because ideally, uh, when you look at both sides of the aisle, so to speak, conservatives came out for Trump, evangelicals came out for Trump. We had crossover Democrats come out for Trump. We had very few establishment Republicans deflect, defect from Trump. But all in all, we knew that the system was rotten. We knew that the, the, the federal government had way too much centralized control over our everyday lives. And so many of us were going to and voting for a change agent. We didn't see President Trump as a revolutionary we saw him as a businessman who could perhaps fix what is wrong in Washington. And little did we know 
that there was a whole underbelly uh, within the intelligence agencies, including the FBI, that was actively working against the American people in this administration. And so the Bernie bros are looking for a revolution, but also to burn down the system. And what's odd to me that is, is that when you try to talk to these people, you say, well, Bernie's plans are to grow the system, not burn it down. <laughs> and they don't seem to make they don't seem to make that correlation. Right, right. Even if Bernie was the nominee, uh, again, th- that youth vote is so volatile, mercurial. Uh, I, I chalk a lot of it up to recreational marijuana use because yes. they just don't seem to have the get up and go to get out of bed to get to the polls. <laughs> right. Um, before medical marijuana was legal and recreation medical marijuana was legal, they still didn't get to the polls. And I believe this will just add to their lethargic, lethargic lethargy. So what do you think will happen in Milwaukee? Let's assume Biden is the nominee. Uh, what do you think is going to happen? Well, um, you know, I I don't want to uh, ignore the threats coming from the Bernie campaign. We have already seen violence from Bernie Sanders supporters. We can't forget about Steve Scalise and the near dozen Republicans that were nearly assassinated on a football field or excuse me, on a baseball field by a Bernie Sanders supporter. You know, you you find these crazies on both the right and the left, but the Bernie Bros are also very close to uh, nihilists, anarchists, and have much in common with the Antifa wing of the Democrat Party. (laughs) So, um, you know, when you look at, for example, Trump's inauguration, Antifa took over the streets, they were burning cars, they were shattering windows. Uh, I would think that perhaps something like that could happen in Milwaukee. More of my conversation with Megan Barth when Conspiracy Unlimited returns. I want to welcome a brand new sponsor to Conspiracy Unlimited, and I couldn't be more proud to be associated with the good people at Hero Soap. It's owned by veterans, and their products are outstanding. Their soaps contain no chemicals, dyes, or fragrances, and they come in these really cool resealable packages. So you can take your soap with you on the road instead of using those gross hotel soaps or take it camping. I'm using the Peppermint Cool Soap, and the moment I started lathering up, I felt a cool, refreshing, and tingly wave wash over me. I felt more clean, more refreshed, more alive. And not only does my body feel refreshed, I feel good on the inside, knowing that the Hero Soap Company supports veterans. Sign up for the hassle-free monthly auto ship, and you'll never run out of quality natural soap again, and you'll save 10%. Plus, for every soap purchased through the subscription, one soap is sent to deployed troops around the world for free. If you want to get clean and feel refreshed and support veterans all at the same time, check out Hero Soap at HeroSoapCompany.com. HeroSoapCompany.com. Look for the banner ad at strangeplanet.ca slash conspiracy show and in the episode notes for this podcast. Hero Soap. Let freedom clean. Another reality, Richard is a very strong and handsome man. 
just not in our reality. Although I heard somebody passing him in the hall the other day, and it was quite, quite a handsome man, Richard is. I made that up. Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett. Megan Barth, the founder of ReaganBabe.com, is here. How, then, is Biden going to survive this absolute marathon, the actual campaign, presidential campaign? There were times when, when Trump, who, by contrast, just feeds off this energy, just loves going out there and speaking. This is when he's at his best. Uh, he, was, he was touching down in four or five states a day. The, the energy of, you know, five men. How is Biden possibly going to keep up and, and get to Pennsylvania and get to Ohio and get to, uh, to these key swing states of Florida? Well, that's the million dollar question. Um, we understand the type of schedule that Donald Trump sleep, uh, keeps. He's not a big sleeper. He averages about four hours a day. And it honestly doesn't look like the guy's aged a day in four years. Usually a president comes out of his first term. He has a lot more gray hair. He looks a lot more weathered, the stress of the job. Uh, he has this um, energy uh, that usually you don't see in 72, I believe he is, 72-year-old men. Uh, he's a unique uh, individual in that sense. Whereas Biden, a few years older, looks like he's approaching 90. Um, and the cognitive cognitive decline is evident. He was being literally ushered through the press by his handlers, a female handler the other day, and you were looking at the press scrum trying to get at him, and you could tell that he was being not only pulled, but he was being led, and his gait, meaning how he was walking, was nearly, uh, uh, it, it, was, it was off, if you know what I mean. He didn't yes. walk with authority. He was walking nearly feebly, like he didn't really know if his feet were touching the ground. Um, he was being ushered into the, the van. Um, similar to Hillary, I'm telling you, he has uh, different issues than Hillary, but again, a very flawed, defective candidate that the Dems are doing everything they can to package as something that's saleable, something that is energetic, you know, and something that is going to be able to keep up with the pace of the campaign. But you can only lie for so long until the lie catches up with you. And so perhaps Biden will have another, you know, 9-11 moment that Hillary had during the 9-11 memorial where she basically did a face plant and had to be, as in the policeman's words, thrown into the van like a piece of meat. I mean, I don't wish that on anybody but again, you can only cover up the truth for so long, the truth will catch up with you. Right, right. So, uh, as you mentioned earlier, the, the strategy that here seems to be somehow drag Biden across the finish line, and then very shortly after inauguration, uh, he's forced to step down, and voila, the vice president becomes the president. So. Correct. Uh, we're hearing, uh, we're hearing perha perhaps Michelle Obama. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I've heard that too, and I think that would be a very wise choice uh, for the Democrats. Her popularity ratings are still through the roof. As a matter of fact, Obama's popularity ratings are still through the roof. She has that celebrity, um, that celebrity vibe, if you will, um, and she polls well. Uh, I don't necessarily see that. 
Um, because Biden will have the power of the Obamas behind him uh, should he make it through the delegates. Uh, he will have access to their own little empire they built, which is a data empire. Uh, it's called OFA, which was Organizing for America, or it was Obama for America, now it's Organizing for America, or Organizing for Action. It's a very powerful organization, and Obama built that whole organization outside of the DNC. Right. Uh, which when is, Obama... Yeah. Hillary, yeah, Hillary Obama, blames him for, for losing correct, it. Yeah. Correct. He did nothing for the DNC. He left them broke. He built his own uh, data center, really, and his own army. So, so Biden will have access, I would assume, to much of that data and that organizing influence. Um, Michelle Obama, I don't think, wants to play second fiddle. However, like if she basically is guaranteed the top spot, the presidency, because he's going to step down, well, then there you have it. Um, I've also heard Elizabeth Warren, uh, Kamala Harris, Stacey Abrams, and um, the name escapes me right now, but the female governor of Michigan, I think Kate something, the ah. name escapes me. Problem with the Michigan governor is that she's not a person of color. Uh, and the Democrats need the diversity on their ticket because right now you got two old got white guys running at the top. Right, right. And and Elizabeth Warren, um, basically who self-destructed because of her wokeness, talking about having her uh, uh, secretary of education vetted by a transgender child. Um, I mean, every time she opened her mouth, it seemed that the stock market would crater. Uh, I mean... Is that just not going to make a bad ticket worse? Well, what's very interesting about Elizabeth Warren, and, and plenty of Democrats have told me this, um, is that she's a pragmatic socialist. So um, she comes across, even though a little bit loopy, she has a lot of influence legislatively. Um, she was head of the Consumer Financial Board, I think it's called, which is just a ridiculous uh, another agency, another government bureaucracy. Um, and she also has the backing of the Workers' Party, which is otherwise known as the Communist Workers' Party. Um, they supported Hillary Clinton. They also supported Barack Obama. Um, she also is a quote-unquote person of color, don't you know? She's one one twenty-fourth Cherokee Indian. Yes. Um, one one thousand twenty fourth, rather Cherokee Indian. Um, you would think that she might be uh, a hot stick of dynamite. You wouldn't want to touch her, but she has some of the support in the right places, as far from an organizing standpoint. Right. I'm trying to imagine a Biden and Trump. I mean, they can hide Biden from. Of you know the debate stage, I guess for the primary season, if they decide, you know, if Bernie decides to concede or or what have you, but they can hide Biden from the debate stage during the presidential campaign, and I'm trying to imagine, you know, how this is going to play out, how he's going to defend uh, open borders, uh, free Medicare for illegal immigrants. A, uh, a Green New Deal that's going to cost, you know, north of $20 trillion. How is that going to play? 
And I'm sorry, who did you say was proposing that? Because actually both candidates are proposing those things. But were you specific to one? Uh, to Biden. Yeah. Oh, um, yeah. And, 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 that, and that is, you know, thank you for pointing that out. Because like I said, there is no sunlight between the radical policies of Bernie Sanders and AOC and the whole social justice, uh, Democrat, socialist, rather, Democrats, um, than there is to, quote unquote, moderate Joe Biden. Um, there is nothing moderate about Joe. Uh, what is a moderate communist? What is a moderate socialist? Uh, this is who is running the Democrat Party, and this is who is going to run Joe's administration, uh, should he get the presidency. Uh, that might sell well uh, to Generation Z, but when you try to sell those issues across the broader swath of America, it might sell well in New York and, and California, too, But and that's why the Dems want to eliminate the Electoral College, because they want to take away the power of the 49 other states that would vote against their policies. Um, but when it pulls across the states, it doesn't pull well at all. Um, it will be, the, the Dems are also losing the um, black vote, the African-American vote here. And Trump is gaining that. That's also another issue for Bernie. But now with the Clyburn endorsement, uh, they are going to again play racial identity politics and try to um, buffoon uh, uh, African-Americans, black Americans into voting for Democrats once again, even though for uh, multiple decades, uh, they have been promised one thing and not been given really anything except for poor schools, violent neighborhoods and drugs on their streets and sanctuary cities. Um, the immigrant population in this country is growing and that the demographics and that affects uh, votes as well. More and more immigrants registered Democrat. Um, and they are relying on these types of freebies uh, to elicit more of the immigrant vote, uh, promising them, like you said, illegal aliens can't vote, but perhaps their children can vote, right? And so, um, because they're dreamers or they uh, were born here and they had automatic citizenship once they were born in a hospital in America, which is something that needs to change. Um, but I think that these freebies that they're offering will play with a minority of the popu voting population. And I don't mean that from a perspective of race. I mean that just from a perspective of size. And those policies, again, will not carry them over the finish line. So you see the Democrats shift away from talking about the policies and simply attacking the president with all of these attacks of racism, xenophobia, misogyny, homophobia, and you name whatever phobia they're labeling him as lately. Uh, so we're imagining then a, a Trump versus Biden uh, showdown. And you mentioned the Electoral College. Mm -hmm. uh, given that scenario, do you care to, to, to hazard a, uh, a, a final tally in terms of Electoral College votes? Because I'm thinking, I look at the board, I'm saying maybe north of 300 for Trump. Yeah, you know, I, I, I was predicting kind of a similar... Um, well, if it was Bernie, I was in agreement with Chris uh, Matthews before he uh, resigned. 
where he said basically if Bernie uh, it takes the nomination, Trump will take 49 states. With Biden, I think it will be similar and maybe even a little bit better than Trump whipping Hillary Clinton in 2016. Uh, because I think Biden's Achilles heel, of course, is his cognitive decline. And then when you get down into his policies like Medicare for all, um, open borders, uh, a free college. He, he said the other day in LA, free college for those who volunteer. Now, of course, no one in the press either was able to or asked him the question, what do you mean by volunteer and volunteer for what? But again, Joe's policies are Bernie's policies. Bernie's policies are Joe's policies. Those are the policies of the Democrat Party. And they're going to have to figure out how to sell socialism to a capitalist country. Um, does coronavirus in, in your mind, the Wuhan virus, I have no problem calling it that. I mean, Thank you. <laughs> uh, Ebola is I, the identifier there. The Ebola that comes from the, the forest. Uh, the, um, you know, the Spanish flu. Are we going to stop referring to the 1918 flu as the Spanish flu, the, the Hong Kong flu? Uh, anyway, do you think the Wuhan virus has the potential uh, to derail the Trump presidency? Um, I think it is one of the last um, political weapons in the Democrats' bag. Uh, what's interesting is you mentioned a whole host of flus, Ebola, et cetera. Well, the um, HBN1, which I think was either the swine or the bird flu, I don't have it in front of me, uh, uh, sickened hundreds of thousands of people, uh, killed thousands uh, of Americans, and not a peep was said because that flew across our border uh, under Barack Obama. And um, this flu, uh, latest, and it is a flu, okay? It is not a plague. Um, it is a flu just like any other flu. If you are old, uh, older and you have a compromised uh, health system due to your age or your diet or what have you, uh, your chances of um, lethality from this flu are much greater than, say, if you're in your you know, 30s, 40s, or 50s. But nonetheless, what they've done is they've taken this Wuhan virus and they've created a panic. And I have said that the virus is actually the panic because by inciting fear, which Democrats are very good at doing, because fear is a very manipulative emotion, it's a very strong emotion, and it's an emotion that you can guide and control very easily. Um, by creating this panic, they're creating a ripple effect, uh, if you will, throughout the markets. And uh, we still have a strong economy. The February jobs numbers reports came out. They looked fantastic. But that was pre- hysteria, pre-panic. Uh, now what the Democrats, uh, the Democrats, for example, just signed uh, an $8 billion uh, bill to assist with this coronavirus. Uh, Nancy now wants more money to subsidize abortions. Now what's really interesting here, which has nothing to do with the, the Wuhan virus, but abortions is the Democrats' sacred cow here. Whenever they can get taxpayer funds for abortions to go around the Hyde Amendment, they'll do it. But when you look at the backyards, and I truly mean the backyards of Nancy Pelosi's district, San Francisco, Gavin Newsom, the government governor of California, he has typhus fever 
ravaging downtown LA. They have a needle exchange system which produces tens of thousands of heroin uh, used needles that were that people were using to shoot heroin up, littering their streets. Uh, they have humans, uh, homeless, defecating all over the streets of San Francisco and Los Angeles. You want to talk about a public health crisis now? when 32 people in this country have died from the Wuhan virus, and they predict a thousand people are going to die on the streets of LA this year. Remarkable, remarkable. And so you should, that, that, that to me sh should tell everybody, however you politically see yourself, that the Democrats are creating a panic instead of, I, I don't even go to L.A. I don't want to walk the streets where people are using needles and defecating and where there's typhus fever outbreaks. You have a greater chance of getting sick walking through L.A. than you do of contracting the Wuhan virus in L.A. And the, the degree to which you will get sick in L.A. is much more lethal. You know, Dr. Drew, who is a physician in L.A., has said they are basically one, one rat away from the bubonic plague, and yet they do nothing. The Democrats who run California do nothing for their state, but now they're creating this huge entire uh, uh, epidemic, pandemic, whatever you want to call it, crisis in order to never let a crisis go to waste, in order to tank the economy, because the only way that Trump can lose is in a bad economy. So if you recall, it was Bill Maher on his show last year who was wishing for a recession. Yes, yes. So Trump would lose. Well, guess what? We are either on the precipice of a recession, which I don't believe, because this panic will stop. This virus is contained. Uh, in a couple weeks, this will be over. People will start buying cheap stocks. And I think the lesson that will come out of this outside of the Democrats' lack of um, sincerity, to, to, to put it mildly, I think we finally learned that it's not a good idea to put all your eggs in a communist basket. <laughs> to be completely reliant on a communist government for your supply chain, for your pharmaceuticals, and for your trade. I remember working at a farm. I was in the pharmaceutical industry for 23 years before I did this gig. And I remember sitting around with C-level executives, and I was just a junior business development person, right? I was just getting my feet wet in my 20s. And I said, um, hey, do you really think it's a good idea for us to transfer our manufacturing to a communist country? S swear to God, this had to be 15 years ago. Mm -hmm. And all of them basically in unison said, but the price, I mean, we <laughs> can get this made for, you know, 10 cents on the dollar, a penny on the dollar. And I go, yeah, but what about the cost of doing business with the communists? I saw it at 23, 
24, whatever it was, a lot of people saw it, but because of our government here, specifically NAFTA, regulations, corporate taxation, taxation on everything you can think of that would go into a widget, not being able to, to build factories here or expand factories because of a variety of, of fees and, and regulations and blah, blah, blah. Now President Trump just signed an executive order. I believe today I have to look into it. Made in America again. Uh, it, when we rely on a communist country, guess what? This is what we get. Well, and now we have to rely on our own resources and our own talent. Well, the, uh, the the Chinese gave us the Wuhan virus, and they also gave us another f very famous saying, and that is, may you live in interesting times. Uh, indeed, we do. Uh, Megan, how do uh, uh, people read your, uh, your, your dispatches and listen to you on the radio? Give us the whole, uh, all the contact info. They can go to one spot. It's ReaganBabe.com. That's Reagan as in Ronald, R-E-A-G-A-N, Babe, B-A-B-E, uh, ReaganBabe.com. Sign up for my newsletter. It's right there on the, on the home page. You'll get a newsletter from me every Saturday. It's free. Um, it talks about everything that's going on that maybe the press doesn't want to talk about, but it certainly gives you a good perspective of what's happening across the country and in this world. ReaganBabe.com. Megan, always a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thanks, Richard. Great to talk to you. Okay, before I dim the lights in my little studio beneath the stairs, I'll be back in a flash with a few words on an upcoming episode. I just published the March issue of my brand new newsletter, Inner Sanctum. If you missed out, no problem. All you need to do is go to my website, strangeplanet.ca, and register. Just enter your name and email address, and you'll start receiving Inner Sanctum every month for free, starting in February. And once you register, your name automatically goes into the monthly draw for free Strange Planet merch. It's so simple. Just go to strangeplanet.ca, enter your name and email address. The Inner Sanctum, yours, absolutely free. Register today at strangeplanet.ca. Coming up next time, Paranormal West Virginia. Also in the basement of the building, they would do embalming. They would embalm the coal miners who would die from the coal mining accidents or from the communicable diseases that would be passed through the coal camp. On record, uh, in the Whipple, Whipple Company store basement, there were over 5,000 men who they have names for that were actually embalmed in that basement, and they were coal miners. Now, the, the coal miners would get a funeral. They would be buried in a pine box, and they would be prayed over. If you were a woman or a child in that coal camp, you did not get that luxury. Until then, I'm Richard Serrett. So long for now. A new Conspiracy Unlimited with Richard Serrett drops every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at ConspiracyUnlimitedPodcast.com. Blow your mind. That is all for now. 
Oh, and remember to share and give a five-star review because we have huge egos and need love. We're like cats. We need... We need constant petting. 